You're listening to Mind Over Matter on WRBB 104.9 FM with Maris and Shamaya. Hi everyone, this is Shamaya. I'm so happy that you tuned back in for another episode of Mind Over Matter. And this is Maris. Mind Over Matter is a mental health podcast where we discuss various topics about mental health in hopes of minimizing the stigma and celebrating self-care. Mental health matters. Let's talk about it. Today, our episode is all about the myths and realities of mental health. Maris and I will be debunking myths and refunking realities. Mm, Okay, interesting one, interesting (laughs) one. As a podcast host, I feel like it should be a bit better with words, but here we are. And on that note, let's get into it. Yes, and before we start, we'd like to give a content warning. We will be talking about mental illnesses and suicide. As always, the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255 and is available to call 24 hours a day. Again, that is 1-800-273-8255. Okay, so the first myth we'll be talking about today is probably the one that irks me the most, and it is that mental illness is not an illness to the same extent that a physical illness is. That's a myth. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it is a myth, because um, I think I think we're as a society we're like slowly inching towards this like people struggling with mental illness are it's just as harmful as someone struggling with physical illness. It's just different, um, but just just as important. To yeah, be talked about. No, just as important. And something that I I think we talk about in our the club that me and Schmelin are a lot, and I've talked about this before, is that you would never go up to someone with a broken leg. Like some clearly mm-hmm. physical thing that's wrong, and be like, "Oh, are you are you sure? Like, yeah. are you sure that leg is broken?" Um, so it's just funny that we do that with mental illness, where like when people talk about it, we're like, "Are you sure?" Um, and so we just don't give like mental health and illness the same credit and importance that we do physical illness, and that bothers me a lot. Yeah, absolutely, and. I think especially when you're, like, in terms of taking sick days off, right? No one's going to be like, oh, like, I have a fever. I can't come in. That's, like, acceptable. But to be like, oh, like, I have debilitating anxiety today and, like, I can't come into work. That's, like, a completely different situation mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, yeah, no, I've definitely I've, – I've come into this problem, like, there's been a couple times in the past semesters where I've had to miss class because I've just been not – you know, not mentally healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, when I'm emailing my professors, and I've talked to, like, bosses about this in the past, I always hesitate, and it's really uncomfortable for me to tell them what's actually going on. And I usually always, I'm like, oh, should I just tell them a lie? Like, should I say I have yeah. a cold or the flu or something? Um, but you would never do that if it was the other way around. So yeah. It's interesting. Definitely. Yeah, and, like, Mental illness is, like, a chemical imbalance in your brain. So, like, that's as science as it gets, just as any other physical illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's a myth. Yeah. A myth. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to work on it. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, myth number two. Are we ready for that? Yeah, myth number two. Myth number two. Uh, you are either mentally ill or mentally healthy. Yeah. I feel like this goes along with a lot of things, like, people looking at things on the very opposite ends of the spectrum, but it's not true. You know, you can be anywhere in between 
very mentally healthy or mentally ill. Um, so a lot of people, and I've seen, I've had this conversation with people before where they're like, I think I have, you know, a bit of anxiety. Like, I'm not feeling great, but I'm not as bad as what they portray to be, like, mentally ill. So I feel guilty. I don't want to talk about it. Or I don't think that I'm bad enough to get help, mm-hmm. which I think is a huge problem. Um, just because, like, to stop the problem or to get help, like, before it gets that bad is super important. And I don't think that people at that point are getting the help that they need. Yeah, definitely. I think with all things, it's like a spectrum. So like some days you can be really doing great in terms of your mental health. um, And other days it can be like really bad. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think giving yourself that leeway and being like, it'll change different stages in your life. um, It'll change. And especially if you've been someone that you've always like, you've always considered yourself to be super mentally healthy and just haven't had to deal with that Mm -hmm. then to like have something be something to like trigger that um just like a life situation where you realize like you're struggling with anxiety now and then to be like well I've always been mentally healthy like you're not giving yourself that room to like now try to deal with that yeah cool I don't really have anything else to say on that yeah next myth okay okay (laughs) um so the next one is that mental health problems are forever yeah I can definitely feel like that for sure. Um, and I think that if you are someone with anxiety, someone with depression, it's something that you will definitely have your whole life just Mm -hmm. in terms of like chemically your genes, whatever. Um, but that doesn't mean like that you'll never get better or it never gets better. And as cheesy as that sounds, um, there are treatments, there are things, um, that can be done. Um, so trying to, like, step out of that mentality, like, this is how my life is going to be forever, it's hard. But it's true, I yeah. think. I don't know. No, I, I totally agree. I actually just spoke about this at one of our club events about mental health. Um, and I was talking about how at one point in my life when I was a bit younger and I was, like, in the midst of struggling with my eating disorder, that's truly, like, I took that and I kind of defined myself as that. And so, like, most of my interests, most of the things I talked about, revolved around my eating disorder and I got super into it just like awareness for it which I still am but I'm at the point in my life now where I don't think it needs to define me like yes my eating disorder and what happened when I was younger and how that affected my mental health will always be a huge part of my life and it it is what got me interested in mental health and why I'm here right now but it's not as much of a defining factor and I have many other interests and I have many other things that I'm struggling with but also many other things that I'm excited about so it does not have to be this forever thing that you have to hold on to yeah totally next one yeah next one. all right uh people are faking it or doing it for attention oh my gosh I absolutely hate yeah. this it yeah, yeah go ahead no it's <laughs> Uh, and it's it's sad. It's something that I've definitely, definitely, definitely seen when I was younger, too. Like, mm-hmm. in, this was such a thing that people talked about, when even in middle school, I think, as early back yeah, as that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like I saw a lot of that. Like, when people would post things and another person would be like, oh, she's just doing it for attention or he's just doing it for attention. Like, he does this all the time and he's never done anything about it. And it's like, Okay, well, what if he does? Yeah. What if she does? What if they do? You know, like, it's just, it's never worth it to have that attitude about something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And also, no one wants to fake having depression. Um, it's not something that you want to have. Um, and what you may see as someone faking it could just be a cry for help. And you don't know, like, what it can mean to someone to have someone actually respond to that. And that brings us to something else we want to touch base on, which is another myth, and that's when someone attempts to die by suicide, it is a cry for help. And the reason that we don't want to think about attempting to die by suicide like this is because up until that point, there have been other cries for help that maybe have not been noticed by people around them um, or have not been treated properly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, no, I think that's exactly it. Like, no one is attempting to die by suicide as a cry for help. Um and it can be really, really damaging and toxic to ever say those words out loud to someone else who might be having suicidal thoughts um, or just in general. Like, just I think in gen if anyone, like, can get anything out of this specific topic, it's, like, just never assume that because it does more damage than good. Yeah. And be there for people, like, throughout and not till they get to that point. Right. Exactly. I felt like when... There was, there was, like, definitely, like, a handful of, like, students in my, uh, like, high school that people always, like, oh, they're doing it as, like, for attention or whatever. And, like, mm -hmm. whatever you feel that way, like, the least you can do is, like, if you don't feel like you are in a position to help them or reach out or, like, let them know, like, that you're there um, and you're worried about them, like, refer them to the counselor. Refer them to, like, someone who can help them um, because it's always worth it. Yeah. You never know, like. Love, love your friends. Yeah, love your, love your friends. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the next one. Should we move on to the next yes, one? Yes, let's go. Okay. Um, <laughs> this one bothers me so much, and that is when people say, just be more positive and you'll feel better. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> Toxic positivity is a real thing. Actually, I just saw this, like, word bubbling around in the social media space, and I was like, yeah, that that's sucks toxic positivity can be really harmful um but it's essentially when someone instead of like the opposite which is like toxic negativity it's when someone's constantly being positive and when you know i feel like people can relate to this when you're like venting to a friend and they're like oh like you're you're being so dramatic about that like it'll be better like if you just smile and move forward and i'm like okay but i'm sad right now yeah, so let so me be sad i hate and i especially i've been my entire life called dramatic and whether that is true at all maybe it's true a little bit but it's it comes to the point where people who are saying that are ignoring the clear positive signs of different emotions mm -hmm. that the person is presenting them and they're coming to them with these feelings because they trust them so to open up to someone and have them shut you down by just saying to be more positive it's very harmful yeah it's in super invalidating it's like i think i think there's a fine balance for sure i think that in terms of just general mental health not necessarily mental illness i think that we can all try to have a positive outlook on things for sure um but when you're telling someone that repeated it repetitively um it can be super invalidating yeah and so that kind of brings up the difference between helping yourself and, like, this idea of just be positive. Right. Because you can, I mean, you can do things throughout your life that you know make you feel better. But that's that's different than... Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. And it's like, it's like this 
it's invalidating. Like I, I keep reusing that word because it's also like that's not what mental illness is. Like it's a literal chemical imbalance in your brain that like by putting a smile on your face and like being this positive person isn't necessarily going to work. I, I think there is like some truth like in in being more positive and giving out good energy. Right. But that's just invalidating. That's not how mental illness works. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess another point kind of related to that is that when people say mental illness is a lifestyle problem. Uh, it's definitely, I've definitely heard people use that um, in like the mental health space. Um, but like, kind of like I just talked about, like mental illness is literally like is a, an illness. It's an illness. Like it's not a lifestyle problem. Like there's things you can do to make yourself feel better. But at the end of the day, like you have that chemical imbalance and it is right. what it is and you can work towards it, but it's not necessarily like how you're living your life all right. the time. Also saying that something that bothers me, like people could say, okay, mental illness is a lifestyle problem, but there also could be things in someone's lifestyle that are signs of a mental illness. And I think there's a difference there. Oh yeah. It's like if, I mean, let's say someone is experiencing addiction. There's going to be signs there. They're experiencing depression. I mean, at that point, they might not be getting out of bed a lot. They might not be eating much, things like that, which you could take as, oh, that's just their lifestyle. But don't blame it on that and them choosing to be. I think that's a good sign or something that people should be aware of for, hey, maybe this thing that someone does a lot is a sign that they have mental illness and need some help. Yeah. Absolutely. That turned into a little bit of a rant, but I feel I feel pretty passionate about that one. All right. Should we go on to the next one? Yeah. Um, so myth number six, I believe. Yeah. Um, you don't need therapy, just take a pill. Or on the flip side of that, you don't need medication, just go to a therapist. Right. And I think that people discount the fact that these both work hand in hand. So if you're on a medication, you probably should also be going to a therapist. And if you're going to a therapist like there's a chance that you might want to go on medication. So a good thing is if you have a mental illness and are struggling with that or just want to take care of your mental health, I always see a psychiatrist and a therapist at the same time and that balance out kind of both sides of my mental health. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, unless you're a professional, don't be giving out professional advice. Yeah. I, like we try really hard on our end not to do that um, in terms of like, especially in terms of medication. Mm -hmm. Um. But I think that mental illness is, is unique in terms of other illnesses, that everyone is different. And, I mean, I guess all, all bodies are different, so with everything, everyone's different. But um, just because you have anxiety and you, your friend has anxiety, just because what's working for you is working doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for your friend. Um, and so I think that rather than, you know, giving your, like, food for thought, um, just, like, encourage them to go see a professional. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you go see a doctor, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, mm -hmm. therapist, anything, they're going to be the ones that can give you those tips and can set up that, that really personalized path for you to treat your mental illness. Totally, yeah. Um, but, yeah. I, yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> okay. I'm moving on to number seven. So, number seven is all people with mental illness are violent and dangerous. Yeah. I think... Uh, media loves to perpetrate this mm -hmm. um and we we definitely want to have a whole podcast about this um but i think 
there's been a lot of like different films and TV shows coming out um, where like the villain also has a mental illness and then it's kind of perpetrating this mental illness as the reason um, for their violent behavior, um, especially in terms of people with schizophrenia. Um, that's just not the case. Um, yeah. Very little violence in society is actually caused by people who are mentally ill, um, which is not what you would think based on the kinds of movies and articles that come out. One that bothered me, and we're going to do a whole podcast about mental health and media, but I think it was the movie Split that portrayed this in a really negative light. So just think about that even when you're watching these movies, like the image that they're portraying about people that are actually struggling with these mental illnesses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and um, in terms of this like specific myth, um, we like got a little bit of information about this, um, and there was a survey conducted by MentalHealth.gov in 2014 um, that said people with mental health problems um, are not more likely to be violent than other people. So most people with mental illness are not violent and that only three to five percent of violent acts can be contributed to individuals living with a serious mental illness. Um, the statistic was pulled in 2014 off mentalhealth.gov. Um, so yeah, that myth is debunked. Debunked. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on to the next one. Um, so number eight, mental health problems don't affect children. Any problems they have are just a part of growing up. I this one bothers me a lot. I think, luckily, when I was growing up, when I was struggling with mental illness, my parents were like, okay, we'll take you to go see a specialist and we'll, you know, we'll treat this as it should be. But I've talked to a lot of my friends that their parents completely discounted their experiences with mental illness and were just like, oh, you're a teenager. Teenagers are supposed to be moody or mm-hmm. like going through that, which really just pushes this idea that. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I used to nanny for this, like, preteen um, who would just get really emotional a lot. Um, and her mom would just be like, you know, girls, that's how girls are. And I'm like, yeah. mm, well, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, there's definitely, like, clearly something wrong there. Like, she just had a hard time processing her emotions and, like, needed someone to, like, tell her it was okay to cry. Um, and it was okay to be sad and okay to feel those things. Um, and so I, I think, you know, with everything in life, like starting that like behavior or that attitude towards like emotions and feelings, um, and mental health in general is really important. It's like creating like mentally healthy for like, you know, relatively adults, you know? Yeah. So I think that we just need to treat, like, people in their adolescence as very possibly having a mental illness, also because this is such a rough time for a lot of individuals. And it is, like, the onset of a lot of ages where people Mm -hmm. are struggling with mental illness. Um, Yeah, definitely. It's like, uh, if you're tackling this earlier on, it gets better, right? right? So you're not struggling with this for a longer time. and. I think for any people out there who have siblings, because I feel like a lot of our listeners are college students, like, be that person for your sibling, maybe, or, like, anyone younger than you, like, let them know it's okay to have emotions, like, help them find whatever they need to find so they're not struggling for these, like, years, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, so if, especially if you didn't have that person for you, like, mm -hmm. I think it's super important to be that 
person and be those ears that someone can tell their emotions to because it is hard to find those people. Yeah. So if you have someone that you can be that for, I mean, that'd be really great. Um, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, we pulled a couple of other like statistics, um, in regard to like this myth. Um, so it's one in five children and youth struggle with mental health. So it's a huge percentage. It's 20% math. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and 70% of adult mental illness begins during childhood or adolescence. Um, so that's exactly like what we talked about. Yeah. If you get ahead of it now, you build that culture within your own families, within your friends. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think this is another thing I wanted to note upon, um, because I've seen this amongst a lot of people I know that have similarly struggled with eating disorders, just specifically because I struggled with that. And that it was just so much harder for them to combat that and to treat that when they were in college. So for some people I've talked to, let's say their parents didn't believe them. So they eventually started to get help when they were in college. But that's when they're a bit older. And, you know, it's just harder to schedule, like, therapist appointments and psychiatrist appointments. Or if you need to take time off school to go do, like, an inpatient program, it's much harder to schedule that all when you're on your own in college. Mm -hmm. So... I think it's also important to recognize these things at that age when it's still a lot easier to get treatment for that. I know for me, um, I, I mean, I, I just can't even imagine what it would be like now if I had to go through all of that. And I'm just glad that I got help when I was younger in high school and middle school. And I was like lived closer to a treatment center than I would have here. And I had my parents to drive me to and from these appointments um, and I had their help with treating that so I think that that can be a big thing for people because it just is harder to go through these things alone yeah I absolutely agree with you are we ready to go to the next myth yeah all right uh so our next myth number nine people with mental illness cannot lead satisfying lives this one hits a very personal spot for me because I have struggled with different mental illnesses throughout my life and I can tell you that the things I do on a day-to-day basis and just my life is very satisfying um, and it can be even satisfying to just see yourself progress through your mental illness and to combat that and to beat that and I, I continue to learn new things every day so it's just it's saddening when this myth especially because if we continue to say that and to speak about this we're not going to encourage people to live the lives that they want to live and it is important anyone struggling with anything to just to find something that they're passionate about and push through that. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, for me, like what's really like inspiring and can really help like debunk this myth is when you have like really amazing people out there like talking about their struggles with mental illness and how they've kind of like overcame that but are also continuing to struggle with that but like are happy, you know what I mean? Um, I think there's like a lot of really amazing celebrities out there right now that are advocating for mental health um can you think of any right now because i can't because i'm not really good with celebrities um but there's there's like lady gaga right she's doing everything good so there's a lot of of (laughs) yeah demi lovato yeah right yeah yeah 
There's other, there's a, but like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's actually, this is a great point because there's clearly not enough people out there talking about this. And Good. That's a good point. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But in general, like when we start talking about it, we can show people that it gets better. Um, And Mm -hmm. I like that statement can be so cheesy, but it's so true. And like, I think in other spaces too, not just necessarily in like entertainment celebrities, but with, um, I don't know. Like, well, I, for example, like, I want to, like, one day, like, have my own company. Like, it'd be pretty awesome if I, if I could see, like, a CEO out there being like, yeah, like, I have anxiety, but here I am. Here I am. Living my life. Yeah. We went to, me and Chamel went to this brunch the other day that was about, like, eating disorder awareness, and some of the panelists there had been people who struggled with eating disorders throughout their life, really mm-hmm. troubling into their early adulthood. And yet they turned around and became therapists and started, like, treatment centers. So that's just another – I know whenever I hear stories like that, that's super inspiring because it's like, hey, you struggled with this and yet you turned it into a career and now you're using your knowledge and your experience to help other people going through this. I think that's really awesome and seems to be very satisfying. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And then there's a really cool quote, which I thought was, like, I don't know. I like numbers. They make me feel better about things, even though – Nearly 70% of people living with serious mental illness have achieved at least one major life goal that was significant to them in the past year. Um, and that statistic is from NAMI, um, which is really awesome because I I think it's like the little things sometimes, and that's also a big thing, one major life goal. Um, I We've talked about in other podcasts, but like goal setting can really like be helpful in terms of being like, yeah, I did that. Mm -hmm. Right. And these goals don't have to be big things. Like, I feel like a lot of times we look at success as like owning your own company or doing these, inventing something, doing these crazy big things. And yes, that is success. But it also could be getting out of bed, making a home cooked meal, like Mm -hmm. seeing your friends, seeing your family, um, like spending the whole day without maybe taking a nap, like going outside. That can be very satisfying and can be like those little successes. So I think we just start need to looking at these things on smaller levels and not saying, like, here's the one picture of what success is. Yeah, I agree with you. But I also think, like, it's a good balance of having, like, those big things and then those small things. Like, I usually like to, like, goal set in, like, an an impossible list. Actually, a friend of mine was recently telling me about this where she, like, has a list of things that are, like, what she would consider like impossible to do right like just totally outside of her skill set outside of like what she's comfortable with and then she has a list of like what she can do like what she feels like she can do um and then it's like really satisfying when she gets things like that off of her impossible list um so yeah a nice balance yeah be like yeah 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 all right Um, and and our last myth yeah so our last myth for you today is that only professionals can help the mentally ill. Yeah, no. <laughs> and not to knock professionals, because obviously if you are struggling with a mental illness, you should go see a professional, but allies are powerful. Super powerful. Um, there's definitely things that professionals should be doing, only professionals like should be doing, you know what I mean? Um, but I think that for a lot of people, like myself included, um, I like that first step in like fully helping myself was having someone else reach out and be like, yo, can I help you? And like knowing that I had like a really good support system and yeah, I think that's like the first step and then you can 
get into like getting professional help on yeah I think that one of the things that helped me the most when I was struggling with these things is just like talking to my sister and having my friends be like okay I understand like I'm here for you Mm -hmm. and especially finding people that are struggling with similar things having someone that like truly understood what I was going through in different aspects and facets of my life was probably the most reassuring feeling and something I could ever ask for so reach out to those people in your life because they're there for you and they can be a lot of help yeah honestly it literally like it takes like five seconds out of your day to just like hit up that one person that maybe you haven't talked to in a couple months and just be like hey thinking about you just want you to know that I'm always here Mm -hmm. like if you need anything it really makes a difference like I've definitely received some of those texts before and like it's made me feel a lot better because it's just like having that like thought in the back of your head of like I have people that like if shit hits the fan things go wrong like I can reach out to them and like they will be there for me and like love me unconditionally um it's it's pretty amazing I feel very lucky me too and I when I do kind of get hesitant about reaching out to people because it's scary to be like hey I need help and I don't want to bother you because you're probably busy just Mm -hmm. think I always flip that around and be like if anyone, any of my friends from a long time ago, new or old friends reached out to me, I would be like, yes, I'm here for you. Like, I will help you. So there's no reason to believe that people don't care about you in the same way that you care about people. Often that's like your mental illness trying to be like, no one cares. No one wants to know how you're doing. Um, and that's most often not the case. Um, and sometimes like you yourself have to reach out and be like, hey, I need help. Um uh, but then you, I don't know, then it cannot feel really amazing um, because you took that first step in helping yourself. Because, um, yeah, like Mara said, if it was the other way around, you would help someone too. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of wanted to finish off with, like, how do we debunk these myths on a day-to-day basis? And I think the biggest thing is talk about it. Like, that's why Maris and I started this podcast is, like, when you start talking about it, it's no longer weird. We're breaking down that stigma, like, by every conversation we have, even with just like your close friends, with your family, like whatever that starts to spread. Um, just breaking down those barriers, breaking down those walls and being like, yeah, I'm living with a mental illness and I'm doing okay. Um, but sometimes I'm not doing okay. And that's also okay. Yeah, that's also okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like having those conversations, if you can, like, I never, like, if it can be debilitating to your own mental health to, like, say something, but, like, call people out on, on their shit. Like, people are going to say things that are, like, incorrect. Just be like, hey, by the way, like, that's not cool to say. Like, this is why this is wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, educate your friends. Yeah. Education, that's all you really can do. And yeah. this will all contribute to getting rid of the negative stigma against mental health, which is why these myths exist in the first place, so... Yeah, absolutely. Educate people. Educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yay. <laughs> and that's what we have for you today. So thanks for listening. Yep. Mind Over Matter will continue to have bi-monthly podcasts, so tune back in for our next episode. Please share with your friends. And just so you know, we have an Instagram now, and that's at mindovermatter underscore WRDB on Instagram, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we're super excited about it. Give us a follow, but mostly we want this to be like a platform that people can DM us and give us ideas um, or like anything that you want us to talk about. Uh, that would be awesome. That'd be super helpful. And we promise like everything will be confidential. 
whoever DMs us, that'll stay between us. Um, so yeah, please like let us know if there's anything that you want to hear us talk about. And as we always say, mental health matters. Let's talk about it. Thank you.